we're, um, we're specifically going to focus on the fact that you and I are never alone in your fear and your confusion. Say those two words with me. Your fear and confusion. Uh, when I hear those two words put together, fear and confusion, I often think of probably one of the worst moments in my life. It was, um, I think I was a junior in college, um, and it had to do with my American literature class. Now, you, some of you may not know me a little bit, but um, I actually was, um, I was born in Venezuela, South America, and I moved to South Florida when I was 16 years old, 16, 17 years old. And I remember going to this class, American literature class, uh, my English was a little bit broken, you know, I had, you know, I could understand some of it, uh, definitely, like, speaking it was really difficult, and uh, I remember going into this class and reading all these books, many of them that, you know, they were kind of like Shakespeare, and I felt so confused, I felt so alone, I felt so, I had so much fear, like, I, I mean, you can ask my wife, she can, she can tell her stories, um, but I remember coming to uh, my final exam for American literature, and um, I was so clueless. I felt like I was, I had been put, I felt like I was in a foreign country learning a language that didn't have anything to do with that culture, okay? Like I felt like I was in, in France learning Japanese or something like that. Like I was in Greek class learning Hebrew, okay? And I came to this final, and uh, American literature final, and I looked at it. And I was so lost, I had no idea what I was doing, and I was just, and I was not doing good in the class, by the way. So I had to, um, I had to get a certain grade to be able to pass, to be able to move on to my senior year. And um, we had these scantrons. Do, you, um, do, you, do we still have those? I don't know, like, I think, okay. And uh, so we, I guess we still have them, I don't know. But I remember looking at this exam, and I had no idea what I was looking at. I remember bowling in the letters A, B, A, C, A, you know, like it was some sort of magic, I, you know, abacadabra, you know, and um, I was, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I was fearful of my future. I was confused. I didn't really want to take a summer class. What do you do in life when you are faced with fear and confusion collide what do you do in life when the stress just chokes the life out of you what do you do when the fear of the future the fear of the unknown reigns over your mind well today i want to i want to share with you a single truth that will help you overcome fear and confusion in moments when it's, you know, it's the fog of war, right? In moments when you feel like you're being knocked down and it's just like one thing after the next and you don't know what to do. Today, I want to remind you of a, just a single, very simple message, a single truth that will help you overcome those two things, fear and confusion. So we're in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, in case you missed it, we started this series last week. It's our Christmas series, Never Alone. 
And what we said that we were going to do is we were going to look at several stories from Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Now, if you're summarizing the gospel of Luke, basically, in essence, if you're just stepping in for the first time, um, the gospel of Luke tells us the story of Jesus, okay? So in a nutshell, that's what he does, okay? And, um, and so he's a, he's a doctor. I don't know if you know that, but he's a doctor. He's a meticulous writer. And so he's going to give us a careful account like doctors do, a careful account of Jesus' time on earth. And so what he's going to do, because he's a doctor and he wants to make sure that you get the most accurate account of Jesus' life, what he's going to do is he's going to start with a, a two or three stories that happened right before Jesus' birth, okay? Last week we looked at the first story, and so if you want to go back and listen to it, you can. Uh, you can go to our YouTube channel and listen to it. Today we're going to look at the second story. Okay, so I think it's like two or three stories that he tells right before Jesus' birth. So today we're looking at the second story. Now, as we're reading this story that Luke is telling us, I want you to consider how confused Mary must have been. Okay? I want you to, if you can, just put yourself in her shoes. So let's keep reading. Verse 28. It says that an angel named Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored women. The Lord is with you. Now, this may not be obvious at first glance, but there's a couple of kind of weird, confusing things that are happening here. The first one is an angel shows up, okay? So I know that when you read this, it's the Bible, and you've read this story probably, if you've ever been to church before around Christmas time, this is a story that you're kind of maybe familiar with. And so you know that the angel Gabriel shows up to talk to Mary. You may have heard this story before. But I want you to look at it from her perspective. This is not like a, like a normal occurrence. Like this is not something that's normal for Mary, okay? Now, last week, we said that we gave the story of Zechariah. And the same angel showed up to Zechariah. And he was talking to him. And again, you can go back and listen to the story. But his reaction, and I'm quoting, the Bible says that he was shaken. Okay? He was, when he sees this angel, his reaction was, the Bible says, that I'm quoting, he was overwhelmed with fear. Now, there's a difference between Zechariah. He was an old man, an old minister, and Mary. Okay, Zechariah, as an old guy, he knew all the strange stories of the Bible. Mary, she was just a young kid, 15, maybe 16 years old. And so there's a big difference. And so the first thing that I want you to notice is that this being shows up. Okay, supreme being, and I don't know how to, even, how to describe it. She's never seen anything like this. And basically he says the equivalent of good morning or hello now this is an audible voice okay this is an audible greeting like this is something that she's actually hearing and if you put yourself in her shoes she's probably thinking like am i seeing things like am i hearing things like this is crazy am i hallucinating like do i need to go to the doctor nothing like this had happened to her before and so this is, this is a very strange moment. And then he calls her favored women, which in the Greek means it's the word grace. It literally, like the actual, the, the literal definition is full of grace. Now, we are looking at this story with 2,000 years plus worth of history and interpretation. We know what that means when the angel calls her favored women. We know that he's talking about the fact that she's, she's been chosen, that she's special, that she's blessed, 
that she's been picked for a, for a special mission. But I think context is important, right? And sometimes we, we look at the Bible from a totally different perspective. But if you, if you go back 2,000 years ago, like, she has no idea how her world is about to change. She is confused. In fact, look at the next verse, verse 29, key verse for, for the day. It says, confused and, say that next word, disturbed. Confused. Not only does she have a supreme being showing up, and she's like, is this real? Is this happening right now? Did I, am I hearing things? Am I seeing things? I mean, am I hallucinating? Do I need to, not only, like, and, and then she's, he's telling her things, and so she's like, confused and disturbed, the Bible says. Mary tried I dare say very hard to think about what the angel was talking about she's trying to think like what could this possibly mean have you ever been in a situation in your life where you've gone through something and it's it's hard and it's difficult and nobody quite understands and you ask God Lord what are you trying to tell me because it doesn't make it does not compute God, what are you, like, this depression, this anxiety, this situation, this divorce, this health situation, this finances. Like, I don't quite understand, God. What, what, what are you trying to teach me? Has that ever happened to you? Like, have you ever looked at God and said, like, Lord, please make it clear because I am so lost. I feel like I've been just knocked down by the enemy. I'm seeing little, little stars. You know, that's when I'm, like, I just, I just, my world is just spinning. And so I think that's what Mary's going through right now. And then the angel speaks up. And now watch this. I, to me, this is hilarious. I don't know if you'll find it funny, but I read this, and I'm like, oh, man, poor girl. Um, media team, get ready. I'm going to go fast, okay? Look at verse 30. So she's trying to understand what's going on, okay? And verse 30, this is what happens. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. And to that, Mary goes, oh, okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Now I get it, you know? Like, I'm good. Like, an angel shows up, and he's saying, look, you're going to have a kid you know, you're going to have a son. He's going to rule over Israel. His, his kingdom is going to last forever. You know, and, then, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I, I quite, you know, I get it. No, no big deal, right? No, she's totally and absolutely confused. How could this be? I mean, a kingdom, a son, a king that will reign over Israel forever? How is that going to happen? Are we just not going to die? What's, what's the deal? And she says in verse 34, she says, but how can this be? I'm only a virgin, which is a normal reaction. It's like, how am I going to have a kid? I haven't had a baby. Like, I haven't had any sex. How am I going to have a baby? Totally confused. Totally. If she was not in fear before, I guarantee you she was a little fearful now. And the angel, verse 35, once again, and I find it hilarious, Okay, so he's explaining how this is going to happen. Watch this. Now, put yourself in, you're a 16, 15-year-old girl, okay? This supreme being is talking to you. You don't know what this is. And he says, the angel replied, verse 35, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Okay, I'm not just having a baby. Uh, he's not just going to be a king. He's not just going to live forever and he's going to rule over Israel. But now you're telling me that my son is going to be like the, he's going to be the son of God. What are you talking about? Right? <laughs> Crazy. And he, keep, he keeps going. What's more? Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has now conceived a son. And now she's in her sixth month. And then verse 37. For the word of God will never fail. You think any of that made sense to Mary? No, I don't think so. And he goes from, from good news to bad to worse, right? So what do you do when fear and confusion collide? Well, I only have one single truth that I want you to get today, and it's this. What Mary did that I would like for you to do whenever you find yourself dealing with fear and confusion is she recognized that her present action was far greater than her future vision. Her present actions in that moment single truth that we're going to go over today was far greater than anything that she could think about anything that she could imagine anything that any vision that she could have about her future now here's what i want you to do i want you to retain this truth so i want you to look at somebody find someone close to you and i want you to in a minute in just a second i want, I want you to kind of tap him and just i want you to say that phrase okay like i want you to look at somebody today and whether you're watching online or wherever you're at i want you to look at them and say regardless of your fear regardless of of the confusion regardless of the unknown regardless of what the future hold your present actions are far greater than your future vision. Would you go, go ahead and do that right now? Go ahead. Look at somebody. Find someone and tell them your future, your present action is far greater, far greater than your future vision. Now watch this. Watch this. Mary, verse 38, responded. I am, present tense, present action. I am the Lord's what? Servant. In that moment, she's not thinking about the future. In that moment, she's not trying to figure it all out. In that moment, her reaction, her words, her heart, somehow she knew intuitively that this is who I am. I am, present tense, present action, the Lord's servant. I'm here to serve. I'm here to obey. I'm here to please my Lord. And she says, may everything you have said about me come true. And then what does the last part of that verse say? Then the angel pew, left. Without any, like, hey, this is why this is going to happen or this is how it's going to happen or let me give you a, an outline of what you need to do. Let me, let, me, let me explain it to you. Like there is no explanation. There is no, other than what we just read, right? Now we look at it from the perspective of, you know, 2,000 years later. We know the story. We know, we know what happened. We know all of that. For, 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 but from her perspective, she has no clue. She's completely, completely um, in the dark. Um, and so, here's what I think I learned from this story. People 
who ultimately accomplished great things. And that thing is just a fact of life. Universal truth. People who accomplish that are of significance are those people who are more focused on making the, the right next step in life than agonizing over the next 100 hypothetical steps. I think that people, the people that I look up to, the people that you look up to, the people that go through tremendous difficulties in life and they're able to make it, they're those kinds of people that somehow they know this truth. Somehow they know that the vision of their lives are, is built on the front lines of the present, not on, not on some sort of whiteboard. Not on some, some sort of like, oh, I'm going to do this and that. And, you know, they don't, we don't all have it figured out. And so... I, um, you know, I debated whether I should share this story with you as we kind of wrap up. I try to preach a little bit shorter message. Um, and, um, and I really feel like God was really encouraging me to say it. Um, so a couple of days ago, I met with a lady who crossed the border, okay? Now, I, I watch a lot of news, and I see... Um, you know, you hear, you know, all the hundreds of thousands of people that are crossing the border. And it's one thing to watch it on the news on a daily basis. It's another thing to actually have somebody in front of you who literally crossed the border. And this just happened a couple of days ago. And um, not just to be clear, I'm not condoning anything illegal, okay? I'm not condoning anything like that. But I want you to look at this story from a human perspective, okay? So, you know, they, they, I didn't even know. I went to this lunch. I didn't even know what I was I found out in the moment, okay? Um, this lady who had crossed the border wanted to meet with Pastor Nicholas and I. And, um, and so, you know, she begins to tell us how she crossed Rio Grande and um, how um, while she was crossing, she lost all of her belongings, okay? Everything that she owned, clothing, cell phone, everything that she, the only thing that made it was a little Bible that she had. And so I'm kind of listening to the story, and um, she said that at one point as she's crossing the river, she didn't know if she was going to make it. She didn't know. In fact, her friends that were coming with her turned around, and they left because the current was so strong. They thought they were going to be swept away. And um, she said she actually wanted to turn back, but the, her, the people that she had paid the, I guess they call them the coyotes forced her to cross it was apparently like the point of no return but she was so fearful in that moment that she's like man I'm not doing this and so she starts going back but they they forced her to cross she makes it to the other end and um, border patrol was there you know they took her and basically she's telling me that The first four days, she was put in a holding place. They call it the refrigerator. It's a place that it's so cold that that's where the name comes from. She had this little silver blanket, and that's all she had in her Bible. And for four days, she had no idea what, um, what she was going to do. And um, she goes from that to the next four days... Um, and this is stuff that I, you don't pick up in the news, right? Like, and so I'm very 
intrigued by her story. She says, the next foreign days, they take her to a place where they, feed, they treat them like kings and queens. And she's fed, and it was like, it was amazing, you know, it was like the best thing. And she's thinking, it's over. Like, I've made it, you know. I'm looking for freedom. I've arrived. And she said that right after that, that's when they arrest, basically they handcuffed her, ankle and, and wrist, and they took her to a prison. And she's there for about a month. And, um, and so I'm, I'm listening to this story like you are, and I cannot believe it. And, and I, you know, she tells me that in that, in that moment, she's fearful and confused. And she made a promise. She made a vow to God that if he gets her out of this situation, she will always worship him. She said that before, you know, the Bible was just like a, a thing. And, you know, she was not really a religious person. She lived a life of world, the world, put it that, that, that way. I don't want to get into all the details. But, and she says, in that moment, she said, God, if you get me out of here, I will worship you forever. And so she gets out. They release her at the end of the, the month. And this is why within, um, she's a professional chef. She's a cook. And, um, and within less than 24 hours, she wanted to meet with Pastor Nicholas and I because it was a way of, of saying, God, I am, I'm keeping my promise. I said that forever and ever I will worship you. And then they're basically giving her um, a date to show up in Miami to court, to, to work on her, her legal proceedings. But as I'm talking to her and I'm listening to the story, I asked her a question. I didn't know what she was going to say. I said, I asked, I asked, um, how, what do you do for a month while you were in prison? And I was thinking, you know, that she was going to give me her itinerary. I thought that she was going to, you know, tell me what her daily routine was. That's kind of where I was asking the question, you know. You know, they wake us up at a certain time and we do this at a certain time and this whatever happens, right? And, um, but she didn't say any of that. Like, I'm looking like, I found out that they woke, woke them up at like a two in the morning. They banged for no reason. They're like, she only had a chance to take a shower like once a week. So that's what I'm, I was hoping to get some of that information. But instead, when I said, well, how do you make it? What do you do? In the middle of that struggle, her words to me were this. She said, Nos aferramos a la Biblia. Nos aferramos a la Biblia, which means when I ask you, what do you do for a month? That means we hung on, we hung on to the Bible for dear life. That the only thing that she had was this little Bible. And she said, for a month, morning, Afternoon and night, we read that Bible. And it was me and another 71 ladies. And for a month, we read the Bible in the morning. We read the Bible in the afternoon. We read the Bible at night. And we prayed in the morning. And we prayed in the afternoon. And we prayed at night. And we would have 
Bible studies in the morning, and we would have Bible studies in the afternoon, and then we would have Bible studies at night. And she said, that's the only thing I could do is hang on to God's Word. She's here today. She's worshiping with us today. And I said, hey, remember what you, uh, what you promised God? This is the beginning of a new life for you. We're going to be here. We're going to support you. We're going to pray for you. And I want, I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think of this. What, what fear is, is grabbing, is getting a hold of your heart? What unknown do you have in front of you that you just don't know how you're going to make it? If we're going to learn that your present action is far greater than your future vision, then in what area of your life do you need to put your faith in action today? Let me, let me say a couple of things. A few things for you to consider. Next week we have baptisms. Maybe that's what God's put in front of you. You're a Jesus follower, but you've never been obedient as it relates to this. And you need to grab your phone and you need to sign up. And that's the very next right step that God's put in front of you. Maybe uh, you've heard us talk about the Christmas miracle offering. Over the last few weeks, we've had people that come to the church and say, look, we're struggling financially. My spouse lost his job. Can you help us? And look, we try to help people as much as possible. And I wonder if maybe what God's put in your heart is to, to donate, to sacrifice something for others. 100% of what you give will be given to those families. It's not something that the church is going to keep, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because the church does a lot of good in their community. But 100% of what you give to the Christmas offering will be for those people. So I wonder what God is putting in front of you. What's the, the right next step that he's asking you to take? Uh, maybe, you know, you may have heard us talking about the ladies' retreat at the beginning of next year. Ladies' retreat. Um, maybe you can use your discretionary Christmas money for that purpose. Because you know that you need to re-engage. You need to, man, it's going to be a new year, and it's going to be a great time for, for me to feed my spiritual life for me to invest in my spiritual life and maybe the, the next step for you is to sign up for the ladies retreat I, I don't know what step it is that God wants you to take next maybe it's a Christmas Eve service you have a, a friend, you have a co-worker they need to hear the gospel they need to hear the message of hope they're struggling, their marriage is in, in, in shambles financially they're, and they could, they could hear a word of encouragement, they could hear a word of hope and maybe you're right. The next step is for you to get out of your comfort zone and invite them. And just, hey, come. So I wonder, what's, your, what's the next step for you? Father God, I pray that you would help us when we, fear, when we face fear and confusion, God. When fear and confusion strike, may we be like Mary, Lord. May we focus on our present actions rather than our future desires and our future doubts. God, may we have the heart of Mary. May we respond to the confusion, to the fear with, I am your servant, God. I am your child. 
I am here to serve you. I'm here to obey you. I'm here to please you. May everything that you have said about me, may everything that you have good, bad, the stuff that I don't like, the stuff that's uncomfortable, may it be done according to your will. God, thank you for stories like Mary. God, we ask that you would help us to put our faith in you and to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.